Hello, and welcome to episode 189 of the NFocus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and we are joined by our regular co-host, Tori Wassenaar. Hello, Tori. Hello, Andrew. And episode 188 was kind of a dry run just to see how we all got along with each other, and we thought it went really well, so now we are joined by our new regular co-host as well, Rosalie the Little Record Girl. Hello, Rosalie. Hello. We are just thrilled to have you join us from now on. Oh, thank you. I feel the same. This is my thrilled voice. <laughs> oh, we could tell. You sound like Daria, <laughs> which is a good thing. <laughs> uh, I miss that show, but in hindsight, I probably would have enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, we got a packed episode, so moving on. Yep. Latest Switch news. First up, uh, it's been announced that the Illumination animated Mario movie has been delayed to 2023, and there's lots of rumors about that. Uh, Rosalie, I think this was your note. Do you want to get us started? Yeah, there was some alleged leaks that it was going to be narrated by Mario's usual voice actor, and he also voices pretty much the majority of characters, uh, Charles Martinet, that it might be a musical um, that Mario and Luigi might have Brooklyn <laughs> accents, which kind of ties it into the old cartoon, which I'm not actually too annoyed at. Um, and that Pauline Toadsworth and Donkey Kong Jr. are going to be characters in it. None of that would surprise me. I would love it if it's a musical, just because it would make so many people angry. I think it would actually work, though. There's that, they've commissioned some Nintendo official Mario musical songs in the past for like really old 90s compilation CDs, so I can <laughs> see... And the songs were good, so I'm like, oh, I don't like musicals, but I could, I could see it working. I'm not super familiar with all of Illumination's movies. Have they done a musical before? I don't think they have. Oh, that's a good point, actually. I've only seen, like, you know, the typical Despicable Me, which even though the minions yeah. are really annoying, was actually genuinely a good film. Um, Secret Life of Pets, that's Illumination, isn't it? I genuinely don't... I'd maybe they haven't done a musical before. Considering their, their milieu, I don't think that it's going to be a musical, but I would not be angry if it was, because I enjoy musicals. Jack <laughs> Black is on the cast, though. Yeah, and yeah. So, and he's obviously a very talented singer, so I wouldn't, you know... But the rest of them, I'm a bit like, hmm. <laughs> uh, but I guess we'll see next year. I'm betting on Mario Day next year. That'd be uh, good. The real important question is, is his name going to be Mario Mario? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There'll be a, a very ham-fisted reference to that, for sure. Yeah, there will be. <laughs> Please, so much reference humor. I love reference humor, even though it's it's awful, but I love it anyway. Uh, Switch Sports was released, and there has been some issues with that with certain people. Uh, local multiplayer is not functional on light consoles, and people have been complaining. Even though it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Imagine, like, in your living room and just having this, this screen of only the Switch, and you two yeah. trying to do, like, like, tennis or something. I just, I can't see that being, like, working, basically. Well, I, I've always just kind of kept my mouth shut about the switch light i complained about it quite a bit when they announced it because i just thought it was pointless and my my mind has not changed one inch since it doesn't dock 
it's pointless. So is it, it, the same, is it the same price point? It's cheaper. Okay, but is it is it like dramatically cheaper, or just you can barely notice it being cheaper? I think it's like fifty dollars cheaper. Yeah, it still defeats the entire pur- purpose of the Switch and the name of the Switch and why the Switch is so good. So yeah, I'm not a fan personally either. But it is maybe something they should have like, you know, posted on their like um, social media feeds beforehand so people knew that that was going to be popping up. Even though to me it does make total sense, says sense, especially for like safety reasons. But um, I, I I get why people are annoyed. But at the same time, if you're gonna get a game like switch sports you probably want to be able to play on your tv well it's not the first time that they've uh dropped the ball on this either when the 3ds was still the current handheld they released hyrule warriors for it but it it didn't run great on legacy hardware you needed the new switch there yeah you needed the new 3ds to run it well and uh they didn't get around to actually updating their branding until you know, Fire Emblem Warriors and Xenoblade Chronicles came out. Those actually said on the box, "You need a new 3DS to play this." Because oh, that was yeah. that was the lesson learned from Hyrule Warriors Legends. I luckily I I won the collector's edition to that in a Nintendo competition, so I didn't Sweet. I didn't spend any money. Um, but I think I had to, I think I traded in my original DS for a new 3DS one just by then anyway. So. Um, but yeah, all good old 3DS days, memories. And last bullet point here, Min Min from ARMS has had a re-release of her Amiibo. And apparently it works without unboxing, because Amiibo usually have a little magnetic thing underneath them that keeps you from scanning the Amiibo in the box. And apparently this release does not have that. So what does this suggest for the future of as worth mentioning, it's not a re-release. It's it's the first, the first release. One. Is it? Yeah. I think I think <clears> some <throat> of them were de- delayed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, seems like it was so long ago that Min Min came out. I assumed that her amiibo had just come out already. <laughs> me and Tori are like the local amiibo collectors. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm quite I'm quite like that. You can use them in the box. I have some. I don't keep all of mine in the box. Um. I, some of them I just I just don't know why I just don't want to take them out of the box so it would be nice to use them although I think they should have been packaged with like a a card or something so that because it's it's really annoying when you're like oh cool I'm going to play Mario Kart and you get all the costume DLC from your Amiibos and then you have to go to your other room and collect all your figures and put them down and hope you don't drop one <laughs> and then use them all and I'm like why didn't they just package each one with a collector's card that would have been really cool like really cool but um no, I'm I'm hoping it's them making them better and not them because they forgot and they don't care about Amiibos anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, they're very much releasing these out of obligation at this point. Uh, I think they've confirmed up to Pyra and Mithra? Maybe Sephiroth? I don't know. Oh yeah, I forgot about Sephiroth one. I mean, I'd love a Sora Amiibo now that I'm playing those games. Oh... But... <laughs> if they had all the, if they at least do every Smash character, that would be pretty good. If they don't, I'll be crying. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Sora might be a complex one. And then if they did a Sans Undertale one. Oh yeah, Sans. <laughs> I mean, he's not technically a character, but he, you know, kinda. Uh, that would Cuphead be really one cool. would be cute. 
Oh, that would be. Oh, I just want all the weebos. <laughs> Little doom guy. Japan gets like their own unique ones for tournaments and things. So there's like, there must still be a need to make them. I hope they just keep going because they keep getting better and better, and the sculpts are really pretty now. And I'm like, oh no, don't stop! I need them. Well, like we said last episode, we're hoping that Splatoon Three will come with its own set. Yes, exactly. I just feel like they're quite they're really good if you're like a older Nintendo fan for collecting because a lot of the other Nintendo merch is aimed more towards like 100% towards children. Mm. Um so so they're not made of, you know, the details and paint jobs aren't that great, so it's nice to have something even though they're also for children, but they're good for adult collectors as well. I just really like the charm of them. I wonder if that's why they took out the blocker. Oh, yeah good point <laughs> way too late in, <laughs> in the releases but still i know i opened my um my splatoon marie and cali ones and i really wish i didn't because they're quite hard to find like no but i wanted to use them because you can like take photos with them in game it's really cute but yeah i i hope i hope it was on purpose to make it easier and not because they just forgot maybe they did just forget there's a NFT blocker. NFT? NFC blocker. This is NFT in the notes. That's my bad. <laughs> it might be it might have accidentally saved it to that because I don't like that and then I, I moan about it a lot online, so maybe my auto correct is like what? That, that's a good one. That's really bad. I worked in a phone shop. I should know <laughs> I should have known there. Oops. Um what was I saying? Oh yeah, NFC block is Maybe there's a shortage of those now. That's a good point. Do, who was in the other... Was it just Min Min? What was in... Was it the Steve one that was out at the same time as her? No, it was just Min Min. Oh. Usually they do like a batch. Yeah. So that's unusual. And just just Min Min and... I think Steve and Alex are getting one. Ah, oh, yeah. Another thing I thought had already come out. <laughs> <laughs> If you ever want to know for sure, you just check eBay and then see if sculptors have got them already, and then you know. <laughs> I never think about Amiibo, so <laughs> that's not a thing that would happen. <laughs> I I, can't, I literally am like sitting in front of my Amiibo shelf, which is like overtowering me at the moment, so it's like no escape, no escape. Oh yeah, I've got all my Smash ones behind me right now, always looking over me. I've got some, and I've even got the uh, the box of cereal, but w once I had collected all the ones that were only $10, oh, no. and then I started looking at how much the other ones cost, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> oh yeah, you got you got to pre-order those, yeah. those babies, otherwise you're, you're doomed. Alright, so uh, let's move on to uh, what we played this week. So first up, I played the DLC for a game called Mighty Goose, which uh, I received yeah. a review code for last year. If you missed that episode, that Mighty Goose is a Metal Slug-style arcade shooter. You play as the Mighty Goose, who is a, a goose in powered armor that runs around the galaxy being a mercenary. And what that means in this game is you have to fight the Void Emperor and his Void Army by running from planet to planet, holding down the attack button, shooting everything that gets in your way. And it's very much inspired by Metal Slug. The animations are very similar, not quite as high quality as the Metal Slug series has come to be known for, but the idea is there. And 
just the quantity of enemies that you can fight at once and it's also got a lot of the sound effects like when you pick up a, a weapon it'll go machine gun or shotgun and every level starts mission start and then mission end you know just like metal slugs pulled straight out of that game and uh, there's a lot of vehicle sequences like you can find a, a tank that can jump somehow <laughs> just like in metal slug and there's mono wheeled i don't want to call them motorcycles but that you drive it like a motorcycle it's hard to describe it's a super fast wheeled vehicle with a machine gun attached to it and and there's a jets and there's a submarine now in the new content that uh, i played for the dlc and it's just a really faithful adaptation but it has a lot of modern sensibilities thrown in there's dodge rolling now, you have hit points instead of just one hit and you're dead, and you also have infinite lives now. And there's a, an in-level shop that you can shop at. Uh, almost everything you kill drops gold coins, which you can spend in this in-level shop on your smartphone when you pause the game, and you can just airdrop new weapons and upgrades and health-restoring items directly onto yourself, and there's no reason to save these coins because they don't carry on from level to level, so it, it really, you can make the game as easy or as hard as you want for yourself by either embracing or, or ignoring this feature, and really, I, I ignored it mostly because I kept <laughs> forgetting it was there, <laughs> but I still thought the game was fairly mild overall on difficulty, but if I had actually used that, I probably would have completely <laughs> destroyed this game another thing there's mighty mode where the more you shoot enemies you build up this meter and then you can activate it and you become invulnerable and your guns become even more destructive so uh, you can just shred some groups of enemies and bosses down if you activate that at the right time and there's level ranks when you finish each level you are scored according to how well you did based on how fast you completed it, how many enemies you killed, and uh, how many times you died. So there's some some things to keep you coming back in. Uh, there's a lot of unlockables, like there's chips, which you can use to customize Mighty Goose. Uh, there's a lot of secondary weapons, like bombs and uh, sonic honk that will reflect projectiles back at enemies when you use it just right, and, and partners who follow you around in the levels that are equipped with either weapons they'll help you with or there's a an armor smith you can take with you who will g regularly give you free machine gun power-ups the main problem that i had playing this game is enemy projectiles often get lost just in the chaos of everything that's happening suddenly i find myself getting hit by things and i am not 100 percent sure what actually hit me i just i went through a cluster of a lot happening on screen and lost hit points somehow because uh, lost in the confusion <laughs> was an enemy projectile that I just couldn't see. Despite that, as I said, it's a fairly mild game in terms of difficulty. There's even a new game plus that is supposed to make the game more difficult by adding more enemies, but by that point I had so many upgrades that Mighty Goose was just too mighty and... I got S ranks on every level <laughs> in New Game Plus. Uh, my reaction to the game when I finished it last year was, is this it? It really feels like there should be more because you can finish the whole game in one and a half to two hours, you know, double that for, for New Game Plus. 
and they've put out a patch that includes a new level in it for planet Sito, which is an aquatic planet. It's a pretty hefty level. It's by far the longest level in the game. But even still, 20 minutes and you're done. Uh, this is not the the more that I was looking for to keep me coming back to playing the game. It, it still really feels like this game needs something in it to to bolster it and give it a lot more reason to keep revisiting it past just getting top ranks on every level. But it's still a fun arcade shooter, and I think if you can get a good price on it, then it's worth it. Lots of geese in gaming right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I I'm have no doubt that this game was inspired by Untitled Goose Game to some extent. Or I shouldn't say inspired by because they were probably developed concurrently, but uh, influenced by because there is a a completely superfluous uh. honking ability in this game. <laughs> Until you get a secondary weapon unlocked, then Mighty Goose can just honk. Just honk over and over. There's a dedicated honk button, just like an Untitled Goose Game. Pretty funny. And also in... Um similar bird game uh, duck game there's just a quack button <laughs> <laughs> which is which is brilliant I like the name I like the name because it's like mighty geese it almost sounds like mighty duck as well which is a bit nostalgic for me so I got it's pretty clever and now we're gonna get sued <laughs> no you can mention names it's fine I love you Disney don't sue don't sue us please thanks <laughs> They're litigious. <laughs> right, Ro- Rosalie, you've been playing Splatoon 2 <laughs> Salmon Run. Could you describe that for us? Yeah. Um, I probably should have played a lot of other games, but um, I decided to practice Splatoon so that when September comes and the new ones, I, I'll be like, good. <laughs> um, Salmon Run is basically the other game mode uh, in Splatoon 2. And instead of just having to ink um, the level... Um, you have different waves where these like fish enemies will come and try to kill you. You've got to kill them and get the eggs and put them in a basket, basically. Um, but I'm at the top. I've been playing it for so long. I'm at the top like rank, which means it's quite difficult. And <laughs> sometimes it's just a craziness on screen. My favorite one. There's one called Moz, which is a parody of Jaws, and it's just this giant fish that just comes out, like clips through the ground, and just like eats you and it's oh, it's just, it's really really fun and it's um it's been confirmed that it's in the new one so I'm like quite excited how they kind of change it up because the only annoying thing about it is that when you do it you gain like um there'll be uh, an item of the week or something that's like a hat or a top or something for your um for your character to wear and then you get some tokens which you can hand in which means that you'll get more experience in other matches, but being good at it doesn't actually add to your overall level because I forgot that the level progression in Splatoon is really, really, really slow. Yeah, that's kind of why I bounced off it. Yeah, so I'm hoping maybe they kind of change that for the new one because I was like, oh, my level must be high. I've played this, you know, I love Splatoon. I've played hours upon hours, and I'm like, (laughs) I'm level 25? Like, what? (laughs) It's so weird. Uh, No, but I'm... I love Samaron. It's just really, really, really fun. Um, and the music's really funny. It's just like, if you ever want to get involved in the Splatoon world, having like one match of that is just like a perfect summary of how crazy and colorful and fun it is. Did you ever get into Salmon Run at all, Tori? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, big fan. 
I really like co-op modes in games. I do too, but only when the voice chat is off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I only played this with friends. I, I ah. didn't like playing with randoms. Yeah, they're not that great half of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I like it with the voice chat off. That way you can uh, berate them for how terrible they are without, uh, you know, suffering socially for it. That's true. That's true. Oh, no, you mute them, but you have your <laughs> mic on. That's not fair. <laughs> sure it is. Otherwise, they wouldn't let you do it. No, but it's um, the way that they added new weapons to that mode. The like the I can't remember what they're called, but um, is it the Grizzco variations of mm-hmm. weapons, which are just mm-hmm. yeah stupidly overpowered. It's really annoying when you get the one weapon that you really like are so bad at using. <laughs> I mean the charger. <laughs> It's like, yay, the paintbrush. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> that, the paintbrush is actually good in those levels because you can be the person that just makes sure that there's access to like the net rather than focusing on getting eggs. But see, if I get the bucket or something, I'm like, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't carry the team anymore. Um, but I've had better luck lately. Um, I just realized as well, because I've reached the top rank, it's like, I'm like, reset it. And I'm like, oh, but I've worked so hard for my rank. I don't want to reset it. But no, it's just really, it's um, it's fun to go back to. There's so many games I need to play right now. And I was like, you know what? I'll go back to Splatoon again. <laughs> Oopsies. I am playing too many games simultaneously right now. So I definitely understand that issue. And uh, I would like to just go back to play the old ones sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you're in the mood for, like, a Splatoon, and then sometimes you're in the mood for a kart racer, and sometimes you're in the mood for, like, a story thing, and then GRPG. Yeah, I... <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, I really need to, like, make an Excel spreadsheet of all the games that I need to, like, finish. But then that takes away time that I could spend gaming, so, nah. And now I'm spending all this time filling out the damn spreadsheet. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Tori, you've been playing uh, the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, which uh, is an expanded version of a, let's call it a game, that I love. Uh, Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so I guess it all really begins with talking about and explaining what the Stanley Parable actually is. Do your best. Yeah, um, I just realized how big of a task I just set up for myself, but here we go. I would describe it very simply, very quickly, as a walking simulator, but not your average one. Uh, It explores, I guess you'd call it the, it's like a a more accessible philosophical undertaking of the nature of choice in video games. Um, That's how it describes itself, is a a sort of meta-commentary on the nature of choice. Uh, There's... Stanley, who's in his office, he gets instructions to push buttons on his keyboard for however many milliseconds. That's his life. And then one day, he doesn't get any instructions, and he finds that the office is actually completely empty. Stanley himself doesn't talk. It's all narrated by a character just called the narrator. And I say character because he actually plays a much larger role in what happens later in the game uh it very quickly gives you its main concept 
when it gives you a branching path, the narrator says, when you came to a set of two doors, Stanley walked through the door on the left. You can listen to him and do that, or you can walk to the door on the right. And that's kind of the general gist of what the game is about, is do you listen to the narrator? Do you play out the story? There is a story that if you do everything that the narrator says, there's this little story on its own. But it goes on some very wild twists. I'd recommend if you ever come across a broom closet, just walk in the broom closet and just <laughs> sit there. For a very long time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you get the broom closet ending. Uh, there are multiple endings in this, whether or not you listen to the narrator completely, some of the time, do your own thing. That's just the base game of Stanley Parable. This game came out quite a few years ago. And this is a re-release with extra content. And being Stanley Parable, the extra content is kind of a meta-commentary on its self again you'll eventually stumble across a door that says new content so you walk into the new content door oh boy and it gives you this little you're kind of on like a on rails sort of thing and it's explaining the the nature of the stanley parable and this is the new content and then it presents you in a room with what's called the jump circle and there's a circle drawn on the ground and when you're in this circle, if you press the A button, you can jump. Exciting. Only 36 times. <laughs> <laughs> there is, it, it will count down how many times you're allowed to jump. And the narrator very quickly says, this is a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very incredibly self-aware. Not in an obnoxious way, though. It's very entertaining. They've picked the perfect narrator uh, for this. He's got, like, sort of a Stephen Fry... Uh, what do you call it? Flavour to his voice? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very entertaining. He's very endearing. Um, he'll get really upset if you ignore his story sometimes. <laughs> I love it when he tries to force you back onto the plot using the adventure line. Yeah, you got the adventure line. Because <laughs> he thinks that you're just having trouble um, staying on, on track. So he'll draw a line on the ground. <laughs> and it starts going on the walls and along the ceiling. And you just have to keep following it and plays this song that's just amazing. Yep. I love the adventure line. Every game should have an adventure line. <laughs> well, you'll like this then because the adventure line does come back in the new content. Yay! Um, <laughs> I'm so because happy. Then, then the narrator goes, well, new content's good, but what about a sequel? <laughs> I'm not giving away everything that the game has has to give you, um, mm -hmm. but th this one is worth mentioning because it does influence a lot of their additional content. Uh, one of the features that the narrator thinks is, you know, sequel worthy is giving the player a emotional support bucket <laughs> so that when the, the nature of the Stanley Parable is a bit too confusing and uh, uh, upsetting, 
you know, you've got this bucket with you. And when you have the bucket with you, it's a sense of calm. It's a sense of familiarity. And it brings you back down. There are several endings that are altered depending on whether or not you pick up the bucket at the end of uh, the start of the run or not. It's really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) The narrator starts like, because it's an old enough game that I can talk about at least one of the endings where you can just jump right off the path and even the narrator is like trying to talk you back onto the path and then you can jump off i think it's like a cargo lift you just jump off the cargo lift onto a uh, scaffolding and just keep going off another way and he gets upset that you've interrupted him this time he says what his narration implies that the bucket is telling you to do this that the bucket has a personality on it of its own and that you you're ignoring reality and um, giving in to the, the bucket, what it says. <laughs> That's just one of many things. I, I really like that the additional content, it, it's its own little chapter, and then it comes back to bleed back into the original gameplay. Uh, it's completely new dialogue and everything. It's just really silly. Um, there's a, another favourite gag is the... Um, the button that says your name. So you push the button and it says your name. But right now the button only says Jim. <laughs> I love that the um, they added the uh, new trophy or achievement as well. On top of the very infamous one. Oh uh, uh, yeah, you got the don't play for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the new one. Yeah, it's brilliant. I wonder if that truly is. There's a test achievement. And he's invented a machine that will... You pull the lever, and it'll give you the achievement. <laughs> but he hasn't figured it out yet. Like, the machine's there, the lever's there, you pull the lever, and it it gets jammed. And he goes, well, I'm not a, I'm not a wizard. I can't do everything. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love stuff like that. The Stanley Parable was one of the first games that would basically just make fun of the player with its achievements. Like, oh, you're an achievement hunter? Here, get these. <laughs> yeah, there, there's one where you have to click on, I think, door 430 five times, and you do that, and he goes, are you really just doing this for the achievement? That's not worth an achievement. <laughs> and he starts getting you to run around the office clicking on different doors and the copy machine and everything, goes, there, that's a sense of accomplishment. That's brilliant. It's a really fun game. Uh, I don't think I've given away too much. There, there are so many different endings. Explore the additional content is definitely worth revisiting. There's some really cool stuff in there as well, and lots of like running jokes and the the whole bucket thing. It adds so much because it like you get to replay everything again. There's even a point where they hold an intervention for you because you're carrying the bucket everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of the weighted companion cube. It's very much like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just really charming, but it really does kind of start making you think about the nature of choice in video games. Like, I'm not going to say that this is an academic level philosophical statement. I will. But it. <laughs> 
it's it's infused with a lot of humor to make it accessible to to people like you're not given the fancy academic terms for what the nature of um free will and choice mm-hmm and all the nuances, but you're, you're still given enough that it really, that playing this game really made me think about the nature of choice in video games and how the game world reacts to the player. Because every single playthrough in this game will kind of set up a different set of rules for how the game world works, and then it will break those rules in a different run through. And sometimes the narrator is just as helpless as the player. Sometimes the narrator is more godlike. It all depends on the choices. So it's like a choose your own adventure, but it's really, it's really strange. It's something that you can't explain. It, you really have to play it for yourself. And I, I can't recommend it enough. Like I, this is one of my favorite games. Yeah, I was excited that it, it finally released, but at the same time. I didn't want to pay that price for a game I'd already, you know, kind of done everything in already before on PC. So that was yeah. my only deterrent was I don't want to pay full price for this. Yeah, I'd say it. there is enough content here for returning players to have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Especially the nature of the Ultra Deluxe. Even that name itself is making fun of the nature of um, enhanced ports. And the the additional content really does poke fun at itself for that. <laughs> Not just itself, but like video games and gamers in general. There's a whole section where you're just reading Steam reviews of the original game. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, that's really clever. I love that. I loved it when Guacamelee did that. There's a level in Guacamelee 2 that is just nothing but bad reviews of the first game. <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm really holding my tongue on sharing so many of my favorite moments in the new content. Like, it really is substantial enough for um, returning players. Because it, do- it also recontextualizes the original game a little bit, especially with the bucket. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it is a tough sell. I think it was about 30 Australian dollars. Yeah. So it's a game that you're going to finish well under 10 hours. But that gameplay, that that time, is more than worth it, especially if it's your first time. It's going to depend upon how much you're willing to explore the game, too. Because, like, if you just follow the narrator and, you know, you hit the credits... That's going to take 10, 15 minutes uh, yeah. for your first playthrough. Yeah. This is a game that you're going to continuously replay. Um, yeah. So you got to be willing it, to do that. Yeah. To get the most out of this. But it's definitely worth it. It, it. This It's definitely going to appeal to a specific kind of gamer, one that's a little bit more self-aware about the, the nature of the medium. I've kind of looked at video games under a different light after playing uh, Stanley Parable, how games kind of react to you as the player. But uh, if you're just looking for something casual or something more action-packed, this is probably isn't for you. It really is like a a parody of video games, and you have to kind of have some level of awareness of how a video game is put together, and both narratively and 
like mechanically, I guess. Would you describe this game as cerebral? <laughs> it would definitely consider itself as cerebral. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, Rosalie, you've been playing, I'm going to say this wrong, Kuukiyomi, Consider It 2 and 3. Could you uh, describe that for us? Because I have no idea what that is. Oh, okay. Uh, that's that's going to make it exciting. So, um, yeah, the it roughly roughly translates to not not able to read the room, <laughs> and it is. I kind of put two and three together because they're quite. Um, I've only got I've only got two and three, but they're quite kind of short games, so they kind of you can kind of lump them together. Uh, they're developed by a company called G Mode, and they're very similar to the WarioWare games. So if you like the kind of fast-paced, bizarre mini-games where you have to kind of figure out what to do in a couple of seconds, then you'll really like the considerate games. Um, but basically, uh, when you start the game, it tells you that you'll be you'll be presented with scenarios. Something in the... It kind of has a comic book kind of aesthetic, so they'll kind of just be kind of line art um, animation of things. Something will be read, and that thing is a thing that you can control and change. Um, and sometimes it's something really simple like someone's walking towards you and you have your legs kind of stretched out and you have the option to you know be considerate and move your legs in or you can leave them out and the person can fall and trip over um, or um, my some, some of my favorite ones from um, considerate three it takes you to like a, a parody of like um, dragon uh, dragon quest and there'll be like an 8-bit castle and you're talking to the king and the king's like, will you help us defeat the demon? And you just have the option of yes and no. And <laughs> you just assume that the considerate thing is just to say yes. And the, yeah, it, it's just like lots of silly things like that. Um, there's another one in two, which is from the same kind of setting where you're like um, the last party member in an 8-bit game and you're on the world map. And it's suggesting to you that you need to follow the line. So, it, you know... Like you're on the trail at the end of the little line of all the eight bit sprites, or you can just be inconsiderate and just run around the map. Um, it's it's really funny. It the when you start it, it does it tells you on the screen that this is very in line with like Japanese culture. So if you like anime or manga, there's a lot of tropes and kind of jokes that'll be very familiar to you. Um, there's one where you're in a, you're like a schoolgirl with a piece of toast in her mouth and you're late for school, <laughs> which course. is a very famous anime trope. Uh, but there's people in your way it's and you can either run through the yeah you can either run through them so they fall or you can like even though you're late for school you can wait so they pass you first. Um, my favorite one it's really funny. Um, you're a brother and a sister. There's also characters that kind of pop up throughout the games that you'll kind of you see again. There's a brother and a sister, which I think are actually based on the brother and sister from the film Grave of the Fireflies. Um, because they have, yeah, they, their outfits are really similar and they kind of make jokes about it. But they're uh, playing in a field with a cow and they're like, yeah, I love cows. And then it's like lunchtime and then they're in a kitchen and they're both eating steak. And then the cow's at the window looking at you <laughs> eating steak and you're either, you're meant to close the curtain so the cow doesn't see but just to see how I like opened the curtain yesterday and every time you close and open the curtain, the cow gets like closer and closer to the window. And it's really <laughs> funny. Um, it's just it's just really silly things like that. And um, every five mini games, it tells you how considerate you are. 
So it'll be like moderately considerate or, you know, so-and-so, you're considerate, somewhat considerate. It kind of like changes. Um, They're quite short games. You can usually pick them up on sale. I think two and three are maybe only two pounds each right now. But if you have a friend over and want to play something really silly in the Switch, like I can't, these games are really, really funny. And there's just a, so much charm from them. And uh, there's just, I don't want to describe too many scenarios because it'll give some away. But there's like some someone's pirating Mario Kart, and there's uh it's just it's really 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 funny, cute, and if you even if you're on your own and you want to kind of play something for like twenty minutes, it's like perfect. Um, it it just really it's really funny and really fun, and if again if you love WarioWare, then you're gonna absolutely love Considerate. I love just the name. I think it's just really clever in itself. Is there like a goal you're supposed to do? Like what happens if you're just a complete trash human being who doesn't consider anybody else's feelings or Yeah, it just tells you that you're not very considerate. Okay. <laughs> it, it's not it, it, yeah, it doesn't really have an end goal. There's there's um two has more menu options where there's like an inconsiderate mode where I think you're deliberately meant to be not very pleasant. <laughs> my oh, actually I forgot to mention my favorite favorite. I think this is from 3. There's some meta like scenarios where you're a character who is playing considerate on your own and it's the menu of the game on the screen and then someone sits next to you and so you're meant to select the two player menu that's actually the menu of the actual game. Because that's a considerate thing to do. If your friend's over, then you would play it together. You wouldn't play it on your own. And I just I oh, it's just so charming and so fun. Um but it's very silly. It's not it doesn't like when it says how considerate you are, I never actually know if I've done it right or not. But um, I think that's part of the fun of it. I don't know why, but I'm getting this. This is anime that I like called uh, Nichijo. And it's just full of like everyday weird skits. Like slice of life things. Yeah. Yeah. It's just um, that sort of humor. I'm getting that yeah. vibe. Again, if it's, it's very... It's very, very Japanese, so there's a lot of things that you'll pick up if you like kind of slice of life anime, because I do as well. So yeah, it's definitely has a similar feeling to it. But even if you're not an anime fan, I think it's quite a fun wee thing to have like with a friend over or something. Especially like the little like hot, like parodies of like older Final Fantasy games and things. It's really cute. <laughs> oh, it does sound interesting. I. Uh... You, you've got me intrigued, which is not what I expected to happen. Yeah, and I mean, I think I'm pretty sure two and three are about two pounds each right now, which is a bargain. Mm -hmm. I think the first one's expensive, so that's the only reason why I don't personally have it. <laughs> I actually was introduced from it um, from a Game Grumps uh, play it quite a lot. Even though I'm maybe a bit too old to watch Game Grumps these days, I generally was like, oh, this looks really cool points out to them for even bringing this game to my attention because I've never heard of it until um, they were playing it. Yeah, I might check these out. If you do, you can tell me what your um, your favourite one is in the next episode. Like, when your favourite scenario. Yeah. Some, of them are, some of them are rude. I'm going to say that this might not be children, entirely children friendly. 
Uh, there's like one in the second game where a woman gives you her business card and you've got to keep your eye line on the business card. And <laughs> um, there's one in three where an old man is giving a presentation and he says, look at this graph, but his fly is open. <laughs> and then it, it, it slowly makes your your eye go towards that, but you have to like push it towards the graph. Yeah. Um, so there's, some, there's some rude scenarios, but I, I just... Uh, now you've so sold maybe me. maybe don't play it with your... Yeah, maybe don't play it with your children, but if you have a friend over and have some beers or drinks or something, it's like the perfect game to play in that scenario. It's really, really funny. <laughs> All right. So to round out the episode, I've been playing uh, Zombie Army 4 Dead War, which I mentioned when it was announced that I was going to wait and see on this one, but then I got it on a price error. So I got this brand new game for 20 bucks. so... Yay for me. (laughs) (laughs) I played the Zombie Army Trilogy back in 2020. God, that was a long time ago now. Uh, It was right when the pandemic first started. So, (laughs) you know, it was two or three decades ago at this point. (laughs) What happened in Zombie Army Trilogy, which is, despite the name, uh, just basically it's one big game. It's three small games that tell one complete story and altogether become a single package it's world war ii and as happened in history hitler is on the verge of losing as did not happen in history he breaks into their occult nonsense and summons a zombie army into the world that just very slowly kind of took over the entire european theater of war uh including hitler himself who becomes a zombie and starts becoming like the general of hell's armies so that's where the game is at at the start of zombie army 4 uh is europe has become a zombie apocalypse and you get to go around fighting zombies that's the premise it's uh not a complicated game really uh i was surprised when i started out just how many options were presented for me as far as making my character there are a lot of guns and there's a bunch of different characters you can play as that have different perks in in terms of the kinds of weapons that they're better at using or how fast their stamina comes back i'll talk about stamina more in a little bit or uh, how, how they heal as well as lots of social features like in terms of the emotes that you can assign to your character it actually it's set up a lot like games like destiny where you can have your entire suite of emotes you can use to communicate with people or just to screw around if you're not doing anything at the moment. But this Zombie Army series is a spin-off of the Sniper Elite games, so it's really focused on using your rifles. There is a whole lot of other types of guns you can use, like shotguns and machine guns and SMGs and things like that. Those aren't as good for knocking off zombies' heads, and zombies tend to not die if you don't blow their heads off. So it's really focused on using the rifles and the sniping specifically to take them out. This game has a much better tutorial than Trilogy had to my memory, because I remember kind of understanding what I was supposed to do when I started that game, but not really understanding just how deep the mechanics were like I, I thought it was just a sniper game you you have your sniper rifle you aim down the sight with the left shoulder button and then you press the right trigger to fire while you're all zoomed in there's actually a lot more mechanics to it than that the main one is breathing by pressing the right 
bumper button, not not the trigger, but the other one there on the on the right side of the controller, your character will hold their breath, and that starts draining their stamina, but it also gives you a whole lot of new abilities, including, most prominently, time will slow down, so it makes it easier to line up your shots. And you also get new reticles on the screen that give you a lot more information about how your bullet is going to behave after you fire it. So you can make far more impressive shots from much further distances. And this is all taken straight out of the Sniper Elite series. But the difference between Sniper Elite and Zombie Army is just the sheer quantity of enemies that you are fighting. Because this is a zombie horde game. So you are putting off dozens of zombies at a time and a lot of the time the flow of a level or the flow of a set piece that you're going through is you have to set yourself up on one side of the map and just take out as many zombies coming at you as you can then run to the other side of the map when they start getting too close because uh they're zombies they're not too nimble and take out more of them <laughs> and you just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth it's all about controlling the ground that you're on whereas the sniper elite series is much more of a stealth game because you're you're taking out a much smaller number of enemies and it's a lot more important that you're just getting to important vantage points and uh, not letting the enemies know where you are. There's the, in the zombie army games, they always know where you are and they're coming for you. Uh, this game also has motion aiming, which is fantastic. Uh, it really adds a whole new layer to the sniping because the motion aiming only activates when you are aiming down the site, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the perfect way for a, a shooter to have motion aiming. Uh, and it really helps me to fine-tune my shots. Uh, this game is available on Xbox Series S and X. I think it's on Game Pass, and that game is not going to have motion aiming, so y even though this is a port that isn't going to look as good, uh, that motion aiming is totally the trade-off I consider worth it. I would rather play it on Switch so I could have that motion aiming to really add a whole new layer to the sniping because speaking broadly about the sniper elite series and zombie army is the sniping really makes you feel effortlessly powerful and skillful because uh, just once you hold your breath and you get all that new information and time slows down you can make some really ridiculous shots from quite a long ways away and just make it look super simple because all you have to do is just line up all the dots correctly on the screen uh, what is less impressive is the movement it feels really stiff especially the turning it's just i think that is a holdover from the sniper elite series because it's built using the same technology or the it's not moving around in that game that's important so much as getting to where you need to be and then sniping well and then you take that and you turn it into this zombie horde action game where the movement is a little more important but the character just doesn't move through the environment all that well it's definitely a criticism i have but it hasn't really affected me uh yet i haven't died yet just because uh, i'm having difficulty moving through the different areas 
as a zombie horde game, you know, it's got all different kinds of zombies. There's the, the basic packs of zombies, but there's a lot of special zombies too. Like there are sniper zombies who go on rooftops and have retained enough of their intelligence that they'll try to snipe you down. And there's, there's flamethrower zombies and there's giant zombies with machine guns. And is this left for dead? Sure. You could call it that it's left for dead with sniper rifles. That's an, that's an approach <laughs> you could come from. And, uh, it, it really wants you to be playing it multiplayer. Now, longtime listeners of the show will know I'm not doing that. Cause I just, I prefer to play games solo unless they are, you know, specifically, online only games but if you give me an option to play the game solo i'm gonna do that <laughs> that's what i've been doing uh it, it adjusts the density of enemies like if if you were in a game with three other players there's going to be a lot more zombies than just playing solo but if you want to challenge yourself you can actually crank up the zombie density to any multiplayer tier you want to if you want to play solo with uh, the number of zombies that you have to fight uh with a full team you can do that, although you might be a bit of a masochist if you try that. There's so much metagaming going on in this, and I, I really, really appreciate that. That's another thing longtime listeners will know. I love metagame stuff. There's uh, level up ranks. Like Pretty much anything you do in the game will earn you tiny little bits of experience that build up your experience meter all the way up to level 100, and you're going to have to grind a lot if you want to get to the top ranks. Uh, as you level up, you unlock perks, which makes your character more effective. Like you can get more stamina, so you can hold your breath longer, or you can run further, or you can uh, get a on-the-ground mode where if you run out of health, you can uh, keep firing your gun for a little while. And if you kill a zombie, then you can get back up with a second life. That's taken straight from Borderlands. Uh, and there's a, a glory kill perk you can unlock that. After you've killed a certain number of zombies, you can run up and use a takedown attack in melee range, and you'll get your health back. They stole that from Doom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's weapon mastery. Like it, After you find enough upgrade kits for all your guns, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> but w once you've fully upgraded everything you can on your gun, then you unlock a new set of challenges for that gun, and if you finish all the challenges, then you get an even better version of it. So I think that's more just of a prestige thing you can show off to people online. Look, I got the shiny gun because I'm so good with it. And there's achievements you can unlock. It's got the whole in-game achievement thing, so even on Switch you can enjoy the benefits of achievement chasing that Xbox and PlayStation players can enjoy. And there's also stickers, which are achievements, but they're not achievements. <laughs> The game is divided up into nine missions, which have three or four chapters each. Uh, I'm not saying the game only has nine levels, because there's actually a lot more to it than that. Each chapter in each mission is like a level, and the chapters take, on the long end, about an hour to finish on some of them. Some of them are as short as 15 minutes, but there's a lot going on there. And you also get the Season 1 content, which adds three more missions with 12 new chapters in it. So there's quite a bit here. And there's also a Horde mode, which I think is probably the best place to you know, grind up those your ranks and really grind out all your challenges if you really get into that. There's online multiplayer, as I mentioned. There's Steam cross-saves, which is pretty impressive if you want to keep grinding out your challenges 
from your Steam save, you can transfer it to your Switch if you're going on a trip or something. That's a pretty cool feature. I appreciate that. Uh, as far as the graphics, because this is a... I don't want to use the word downgraded, but it definitely is not as visually impressive as it is on the other platforms. But it also doesn't look like a Switch port. It's not like one of the high-def games that gets put onto Switch where you can see how blurry it is. It, this game actually looks pretty good for a Switch game, and I, I've been really impressed with the port of it. Uh, it, makes me, it makes me want to look at the Sniper Elite ports they've done uh, for Switch because uh, I'm interested to see how well those have transferred over as well. Uh, the, the, you can really see like the graphical compromises most in the X-ray kills because when you pull off especially impressive sniper shots, the game will slow down and show you a really cinematic view of your bullet firing in and, you know, shattering their skulls and uh, obliterating their insides. It's nasty stuff, but it's not as nasty as it looks on the other platforms. I think that's where you're really seeing the compromises here. The biggest complaint I have about the game is the DLC. It is just disgustingly monetized. As I said, this has the Season 1 stuff in it, which comes with three new missions and a bunch of cosmetic skins and a bunch of new weapons you can use. But there are two other seasons that you can buy as well. They're priced $35 each, which is a ridiculous price because the game is only $50 itself. So... If you pay $70, you'll get six new missions, <laughs> which, as I said, the chapters are fairly long, so you're actually getting quite a number of hours of content out of that, but still, altogether, the, all the DLC actually costs more than the base game does, and you're not even getting as many missions as the base game provides. That doesn't sit quite right with me, but... I would still love to buy them when they're on sale because I do think there's a good amount of content in there. It just they are ridiculously overpriced right now. I would not pay them at the price they're at now. But I've been really happy with Zombie Army 4. It's a really excellent port of a series that I enjoy, and it makes me want to play those Sniper Elite games, which I might get to at some point. We're still getting to know each other, Rosalie. Are you kind of into shooters at all, or do you play those at all? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... I usually prefer if they're really story driven. So, yeah. um, although the, although this isn't a, a Switch game, I really liked uh, Days Gone, which mm, is mm-hmm. zombie horde mm-hmm. adjacent. Uh, I grew up with GoldenEye; it's still my favorite like first person shooter. I think it always just depends. Like sometimes I'm not; they're not the main genre that I am like really keen on. But if I see enough that looks, it just depends what I'm in the mood for. Yeah, there is a story in this game. I I didn't describe it much, but like you have to go around Europe trying to find out why the zombies are still around and what's going on with these these towers that are suddenly appearing that are making firestorms in the sky, and and you know Hitler is back because of course it is. It's a World War Two game. Hitler's got to be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Really, the, the draw of this game is the sniping. So if that's okay, yeah, yeah. I've had some experience with the sniper elite games because i think they were on playstation plus back in the mm-hmm. ps3 days so i've played them a teeny tiny bit but i usually need to have a really strong story to kind of back up me playing them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i don't think this is one that i would personally go for especially because that dlc sounds extortionate <laughs> yeah um yeah 
but I like the kind of I like the I like the premise of it, and I like I, I like zombie modes in like past Call of Duty games. They're always quite fun. Well, that's what kind of what Zombie Army Trilogy is. It, it's the zombie modes from the first couple Sniper Elite games that were packaged as a single game, which is like why you have to play the whole thing for it to become a ah. game. Even though they called it Zombie Army Trilogy, it's really misleading packaging. But that was how they packaged it. A good game regardless, but yet you have to keep in mind playing it that these were DLC campaigns for an Xbox 360 game. <laughs> so like especially ah, okay. especially when you're playing quote unquote Zombie Army One, uh, yeah, that that's a pretty scant game, and uh, I w- wasn't really enjoying it until I got into Zombie Army Two, quote unquote, because that was when it became more than just you know packs of zombies in European towns, and you have to run from one end to the other. <laughs> Uh, Rosalie, you want to talk about my Nintendo points because you recently made a purchase. What's uh, going on with that? I don't know if anyone used the original equivalent back in the day where you get like your, you get like a scratch card with your DS game and you get points and you could exchange that for like a physical figure or mm-hmm. a CD or something on the Nintendo shop. Um, so they they still do that now, um, but with the platinum points or kind of coins that you gain from, you can do missions on through the switch online it'll be like play this game for like a short period of time or use the cloud save mm. saves and you get points so you're talking and about I the platinum ha- points not the gold coins yeah not yeah. not the ones that you get money off on the store no so i realized i had like over a thousand <laughs> and i was really bored so i was like i'll check the my nintendo store um to see what's on it annoyingly the cool things are all sold out yeah the cool <laughs> things like a, sell out immediately which is yeah there's like a pop socket like a thing for your phone and it was a um, hyrule shield and mm. i really wanted that um so i instead i got uh i only paid two pounds in shipping because i had enough points to get these things i got a little it's a switch case but you open it up and it you can put your games in it but the cool thing was there's like a poster set and it's like three posters from n64 games so i thought oh cool they're probably going to be like a4 i'll put them in my studio next to my nintendo stuff that's cool and then they came and they're absolutely massive oh really i was expecting them to be super tiny like (laughs) no they're huge i've had this problem before with nintendo because i i pre-ordered the collector's edition of uh, link between worlds and it was like free poster and the poster was absolutely massive it was so so massive that i couldn't put it up because it just fell off the wall (laughs) Uh, these posters are huge. Uh, you get a Mario Kart 64 one, um, a Star Fox one, which I kind of wish it would say Lilac Wars because that's kind of what it was known for me over here in the UK, and uh, Ocarina of Time one. Um, I have no idea where they're going to go now, and I'm going to have to buy three very big, expensive frames. <laughs> but for, I think they were only 500 points, so they're still. I don't know, it kind of differs between what's on the shop because the American shop just got a really cool thing of Animal Crossing coasters with the Brewster's Coffee logo on them. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. only in the American one. So it differs what's on what. But if the posters are there, even if you don't put, don't have anywhere to put them right now, I'd just get them because I'm, you know, for £2 shipping, it's kind of like ridiculous. 
uh, and they're really nice prints. Um, the post, like the actual shipping, was super duper fast, and you get alerts and things for like two pounds postage. I was just generally like, oh, okay. Um, I'm hoping they add more cooler stuff as they go along, because I like that they have the kind of point system for in exchange for goodies again. Um, because I really like the original um way that they did it. But yeah, I was just generally surprised and just wanted to let people know to double check how many platinum coin points things that you have just in case you can get yourself something cool in the store yeah i've been using this quite a bit um they've only just added physical rewards in australia after so long but i've been collecting all of the bags that they do so got like the pikmin one the dodo airlines one and they just released a kirby one yeah we don't have them on our one oh instead we got the the earth the Earthbound music notation book, which I should probably oh. get because I can I can write in notation, but um, it's just a bit weird. Weird, but yeah, we don't have because I heard there's a Kirby bag and I was like, what? But we don't have it in our one. Sad. They just released one. It's called the Toad Tote Bag, and it's just it's like a canvas bag with mushrooms and toads on it, and it's really cute. I've been using it as my main um, like when I go shopping. <laughs> so good for that yeah I'm hoping they add them to the UK one I really want the Animal Crossing coasters now the second I yeah. saw the Brewster's Coffee thing I got really excited I'm like please please come to the UK one please <laughs> I think now apart from the posters you can get um, some little Pokemon snap pouches for like to put your notepads in and there's the digital ones but I'd always say to avoid them because it's just wallpapers and you can probably just find them somewhere online anyway but no, I think it's worth checking out. I think American store, and I imagine the Japanese one gets all the coolest stuff. But I was just genuinely amazed at the quality and how massive these posters are. And I have no idea where they're going to go. Were they folded? No, they, they give oh. you like a, a poster tube. <laughs> so they're like rolled. Because we had Metroid Dread ones here. And they're all folded, but they're all like A1 size. Ah, oh. no, I got mine in like a, well, it wasn't like a rounded tube, it was like a big, long kind of square one. Um, I used to work in a cinema, so I have a huge collection of quad posters, and I'm like, well, now I've got some more, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just like under, at the bottom of my gaming cupboard, there's just a big Ikea bag just full of like poster tubes and things, and I'm like, oh no. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that just in case, because you might be sit- someone out there might be sitting on lots of points and not doing anything with them. And they do expire. They do, yeah. So it's better to spend them while you got them. Nothing kills my interest faster in something than having to pay a shipping fee. So I've just, I've never bothered. <laughs> so for us, it's only two pounds. That's not, that's not bad. I think it's that low here too, but I'm just like, I just can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> like eight dollars here. Ours is on the, the same store that you get like the, um, the controllers, like the wireless NES and... Mm-hmm. Super Nintendo oh. controllers. So yeah, I wish I got them. If you spend over a certain amount, you get free shipping. So you can buy whatever you want. They sell like amiibo and accessories on our site. Get the free shipping that way, and then redeem the platinum points if you happen to get you know both at the same time. That's clever. <laughs> So what are we playing in the coming week? Tori, let's start with you. 
Oh, good. Uh, I haven't written anything here because I actually don't know yet. Um, I think there's more endings in the Stanley Parable that I want to try and get. But um, my life is consumed by Kingdom Hearts at the moment, so... Um, as it should be. As it should be. <laughs> yeah. And Rosalie? Uh, I've started playing The Sinking City, mm. and I regret it, but now I'm in it, I'm going to... I'm gonna... I'm going to keep going and see if I can complete it. I, I didn't realise that when I started it that it was by the studio who made a game that I played in the last, I think, couple of years, and it was one of the worst games I've played in the last 10 years. Oh, no. I'm not going to say who they are because that's mean, but they make mainly, like, Sherlock Holmes-based games. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, they're just really clunky and really bizarre. Because when you start the game, there's, like, a how-to-play section. And you look through it, and it spoils, like, a section of the game. Because you, you're, like, a detective. And then it says, oh, for the underwater segments. And I'm like, what? That would be, like, if you were playing, like, Final Fantasy VII, and it told you the submarine controls at the start of the game, so you knew at some point you were going to be in a submarine. It's just very odd. It doesn't handhold you, but it doesn't help you figure out what you're actually meant to do. It's And there's lots of people walking into walls and things. <laughs> um, but I've heard the story's good. It's like Lovecraftian kind of horror. So that's what kind of attracted me. And now I'm into deep and I guess I have to try and complete it. Yeah, yeah. That's so, that's the trap yeah. I found myself in. Oh, I started this game. I hate it. Now I have to finish it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't hate it. It's just not very good. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't I wouldn't tell anyone to go buy it. Maybe watch like a YouTuber play it. It was really cheap though, so at least that's okay. But I'm gonna make sure that I look at the. Uh, like, you know, you go scroll to the bottom and it says, like, who it's developed by. I'm going to make sure that I uh, do that every time I buy a game from now on. Because that studio keeps just uh, disappointing me. Is this the studio that makes the Sherlock Holmes games with the teleporting Watson? Oh, I remember that. I think maybe. Yeah. Um, one of the games is called The Devil's Daughter or something. Mm. See, I, I, grew up, I grew up in Edinburgh. So I was literally like on the way to school, I'd pass a Sherlock Holmes statue because that's where the original author like is from. Mm -hmm. It's like a Conan Doyle pub. So Sherlock Holmes stuff is like embedded in my brain. And I played The Devil's Daughter and it was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> that's too um, bad. I've heard, one, I've heard one of them is good, but I don't believe anybody now that I've now got two of their games and they're both really bad. It's a shame because it's detective games are the kind of things I really, really like. Um, I just think they're ex executed better by a lot of different studios. Uh, and it's a horror thing as well, and I absolutely love horror games. It's like my favourite genre, like Silent Hill 2 is one of my favourite games of all time. Uh, so it was like extra disappointment. Hmm. You like horror games. We have but a lot to talk about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love horror in all shape and form, but especially games. Just Sinking City is not I, if you if you're into horror games, just avoid it. If you're into games, if well. you're into a, if you're into fun, just I just suggest <laughs> if you like being it. happy, <laughs> save something for yeah, next just, week. 
<laughs> well, let's see if I actually complete it. There, yeah. Me, oh, I'm gonna have to now, so I can, I yeah, so I can like go back and see how I how bad it really is. Maybe some, maybe maybe something will pop up that I thinks cool. But oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> at least I've got Splatoon to play in, like in the background to like to not think about how bad it is so much. <laughs> the palate cleanser. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, and I've got Record of Lotus War, Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth, and uh, <laughs> a bargain basement minesweeper game called War Mines Collection that has caught my attention. <laughs> it costs three ninety nine, and it's 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 a minesweeper game set in World War Two. It looks really bad, but I love minesweepers, so I'm going to check that out. This is a very World War Two week for you, then. Oh yes. <laughs> No spoilers. Thanks for listening to this episode of N Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, Play State and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Podular patron. The details for both things are on our website. Thanks! This episode was edited by Andrew and you can follow them at PlayCritically. You can also follow Andy at Flame Roast Toast and Tori at STW2 or on twitchtv.toritw. Or you can follow me at Little Record Girl. <laughs>